Catch up on all the live shows right here on africatechradio.com. Hi, you're welcome to Africa Tech Radio. My name is Lillian and this is another wonderful episode of Back to Base. Back to Base is a founders podcast. It is that podcast that you listen to to get in touch with founders in the tech industry and other industries talking about how they started where they are right now the challenges they have faced everything i like to know everything but you know i'm not i'm not a gossip i just i just like to know you know and today we're going to be having a conversation with karade adebayo he's not just any entrepreneur he's the brains behind crowd.com a super smart tool for music artists and crowderads.com which helps small businesses find customers online you're smiling am i not saying it right hi hello so is Kayote your first or your last name? Kayote is my first name. Okay, so I'm going to be calling you Kayote to be precise. What? I said Olukayode to be more precise. Olukayode. Or what does that mean? Um the bringer of joy. Mm-hmm. Okay. The bringer of joy. Yeah. Ayode, Olukayode. God is the bringer of joy. That's Olu. But when you take out the Olu, is now the bringer of joy. But God is the bringer of joy. That is why it's not always nice to you know, abbreviate or shorten um, traditional names because the meaning just gets distorted. It loses the essence, right? It does, actually. So let us go back. I like to go... That's why the program is called Back to Base. We like to go back to the very beginning. I like to know how founders think. Let me know if, if I start thinking in that direction as well, you know. Okay. So how did it all start for you because you 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 were in another field before you started crowd right so how did how did it all start for you i'm talking about your entrepreneurship journey well my journey started from let's say nyc days of course i've always had the instincts and knack for business while i was in the university but it properly started during nyc I think the first thing I did in NYC was I sold onions and I sold um, rams, as in ram, as in ram for salad, and cows. Because I did my NYC in Jigawa State, right? And in Jigawa, if there wasn't anything in Jigawa, there were a lot of, you know, kind of like domestic animals. People read a lot of cows. There were a lot of um, rams, goats, and yeah, there was a lot of onions there too because, you know, onions like dry, dry environment. It does better in dry environments. So, yeah, so that's where I started from. A lot of people don't... A lot of people, When I say it, a lot of people are surprised, but that's I where I started from. So, started where was your PPA? It. Where was my PPA? Yes. Which one is PPA? You said NYSC, right? So, your yeah, yeah, primary was, assignment. My, my where were you posted was, to? The... Yeah, Kazauri. It's a town called Kazauri. It's like forty-five minutes from Kano, Kano City. Oh, right. For for to for, to a school, right? Uh yes, to a school. But you know how it is in the north. Not to a school. I was posted to the local government. Okay. And how it is in the north? Then I'm not sure if it's still the same thing. You know, people don't. People don't. People hardly walk there. So my NYC, as you said, PPA, mm-hmm. was most of the time empty. You know. So they only convene back twice a month. One one of those times would be to clean the secretariat and to make it ready for when they come and share money <laughs> and pay salaries mm-hmm. at the end of the month. So I had to kind of find, I had to, had, you know, I had to find how to engage myself. Basically, I had to be busy. So what I needed, I knew I did in NYC. I read a lot of books. 
a lot. I don't think I've ever. I don't think I've even read that much since then. After, right? Um, yeah, and I went into this business. That was when I formed my first business partnership. That was when I I got my first investor, and they invested in my onion business. And um, yeah, and that my friend, we came together instead of spending NYC. The guy was about the highest earning NYC state then, so we used and took that opportunity, put the together, raised some, put some money together. I and my partner, and we decided to go into this onion, ram, and cow business. This is the first time I've been interviewing a couple of founders, like quite a lot of founders, and this is the first time I'm hearing a story like this. So, <laughs> what did you study? Because I don't understand. I don't know how. Like I'm fascinated how your 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 brain works, right? Because you okay. went for your, your service and you saw an opportunity. Say, okay, why don't I start selling these things, right? It's not everybody that would tap into that kind of market. They will say, oh, this is for the locals. But you saw a market and you are excited about it. But what did you study in school? Oh, I studied estate management in school. I did estate management, real estate management, and somehow I, I've always had a knack for business. Somehow I don't know how. I just felt that business will give freedom, business will give, business will engage my mind and it will allow me to kind of explore my creativity and all that. So all the while, I've never, I've never done a nine to five job. You know? Oh, wow. So I started out early with the intention that, you know what, I didn't think I would be successful at the beginning. I didn't even think about success. I just said, you know what, if this is what I'm going to do, the earlier I started, the earlier I failed. Mm-hmm. And continue to fail, the better. Help myself, you know, so that I can quickly get to success, basically. So that's how I started that whole process. So, yeah. The earlier I start, the earlier I fail, if I'm going to fail. And if I'm going to succeed, the earlier I start, the earlier I succeed. I like that. Yeah. So, after your NY, how did you now continue? Did you continue the, the rearing or selling of those livestock? Yeah, well, not exactly. What I did was that during the NYC, our onion loading, or let me say our onion batch that we engaged at the time was stolen. Ooh. Oh <laughs> it was diverted by the conductor that we got to kind of man the truck that was supposed to go deliver the onions in Lagos. And um, he diverted it to another market, sold it, and started to live his life off that, basically. So that was my first experience with the police. That was my first experience in court. That was my first experience with a lawyer. And that was my first experience of suing somebody. How much was it worth then? Say what? What he diverted, how much was it worth? Yeah, I think what we had then was close to... was close to a millionaire. Millionaire as at that time? An NYC guy. Mm. That was a lot of money. Wow. So we went to look for him with the help of one of the people that helped us with the business there. And we found him like three or four states away. And the police was able to arrest him, bring him back to Kazari, and he went to a magistrate court. That was my first experience in court, basically. Wow. And did you get and the money I was like, back? What did I yeah. I just learned that as, as a businessman, one of the first point of you entering into business is that you have to have you have to be close to police and close to the law. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Did you get the money back? No, 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 no. Ah, so what's not the need of being close to the police and the law? 
Yeah, so that was my first loss in business, right? Mm. So I lost that money. And um, it was an experience, you know, we kind of moved, we moved on from there. And um, it was after then that we went into the ram and cow business. So then there was a lot of people doing salad, layer and all those things down south. And the rams and the cows in the north were very huge and meaty. So the cows, what we did was that we found cows that were not exactly the ones that the people in the north will be proud of but it was very meaty and was good for people that wanted to buy beyond ram for their so we kind of found a sweet spot in that middle and um yeah we had a friend that the father was uh, he had a plot of land in maryland so maryland what lagos. we did was that when maryland lagos yeah so when we bring them in we just we dump them on that site and people come to that site Come and look at the ones they like and pick one they like and they put us. It was very, it was very good money. You're balling now. <laughs> balling now. <laughs> you I know that one fence that we had, we now have only one ram left that we couldn't sell. So we just agreed together, I and my partner, that we were going to do a lesbian. To do what? We gave it to, we gave it off to a motherless baby's home. Oh, that's so nice. Back. So... That was one of our first CSR also. <laughs> like you, you, you learned everything during uh, well, NYSE. When you start small, you, that's why you say that you should start small. Because in starting small, you can have a lot of knowledge about the stuff. So that it's easier for you to do whatever you know. And when you are playing bigger, you kind of have those lessons going small, small forms and you can improve on them. Okay, let's go into crowd. How did you start it? When? Crowd, we started crowd in 2020. We started the 2020. We started the idea 2019, but we kind of fully kicked off 2020. And crowd was an idea that came from a previous business that we were doing. We were running a platform that was training African creative industry professionals. So it was a platform that was capacity building platform. It was a showcase platform and then it was a networking platform. So it was the complaints of the creative industry professionals that we had on those platforms and the things that were paining that were kind of like their pain points that we now took and decided to create crowd out of it. Yeah, so we landed crowd 2020. Uh, it was around the COVID period and initially was part of part of why we created it was to solve some of the COVID problems also for the music and the creators economy basically so what was well, the, the, the idea behind crowd why so the idea was that we felt that people in the creative industry were not were finding it very difficult to monetize their content right so a lot of us here were creating content content was good and all that but when you looked at how other platforms were helping were monetizing things the monetization arrangement was more favorable to caucasians you know people in the west than africans while we were creating you know imagine the pain of creating right through you know from a nigerian perspective from an mm -hmm. african perspective and eventually when their stuff get out there that's why the fact that it's very colorful it's very appealing and it's it's doing the thing you know they are not getting as much you know returns for that investment so we said okay can we create a video monetization platform that can help these people the creators, especially in, you know, starting from Nigeria, to be able to earn more for the creative work 
that they do on the internet basically that was what the idea started though we've iterated it now but that was how that was what started the idea that was what we were trying to do at the beginning at the very beginning where is your base of operations you said what the base where you are uh, your operations you you operate oh from. yeah yeah yes uh business office a head office in in lagos that's for the operations and we have an, an operations uh, office in Ibadan, your state. And then we also run from the U.S., Maryland, and then uh, from Toronto, Canada. So we have like four stations, basically. So Lagos, Ibadan, Toronto, and uh, Maryland. So I want to take you back, right? You said what, during your NYC, you sold onions for a while, and then you, you, you escalated it to um, cows and rams. What point did you say, okay, we are done with this, or were you forced to stop? No, 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 no. I've, I've, I've done between between onions and crowd. There were businesses in between. Oh, you know, yeah. So I, I, I started a, a real estate and an oil, a kind of like oil trading company. In between, of course, because of my foundation, right, estate management. Then, within the real estate arrangement, we were able to move into construction and hospitality. And then an entertainment network also. I am a partner. And hmm. the entertainment network morphed eventually into, like, a media company. And it was from media company that we had that project where we were, where we were servicing and training the uh, creative industry professionals. Then, before it became crowd. Wow. I still have some of those businesses also right now. Like the real so, estate, right? I'm sure you have the real estate. Is that what? Like, well, yeah, we still have the real estate. We still have the hospitality. And we still even have the media company. Also. So you can be described as a serial entrepreneur? Well, I, I, I would call myself as serial as that. But the idea is that you find out that everything I'm doing is within a particular two industries, basically. Real estate, but different expressions of real estate. Then media but in different expressions of media. I've always been very interested in culture, media, and technology. So that's where, you know, I, I want the, when I was in university, I wanted to be Dr. Dre. I wanted to be a producer like Dr. Dre. <laughs> but I knew I couldn't play any instrument to save my life. <laughs> you, and, can, you can uh, sell a headset. <laughs> yeah, I wanted to even try. I now started trying to practice how to play my the guitar. I just like that. Look, if I can't play guitar like Carlos Santana, then it's not worth it. So I kind of dropped it and went into more of the production aspect of stuff, which eventually led me into more of like the business aspect of the creative industry. The so moment, that's yeah. Okay, the moment you mentioned Carlos Santana, I just his music just like literally played in my head, and I know what you mean by that. Yeah, so you can't meet that standard. I okay. think you, you just said start small. So you're contradicting yourself. Why don't you just start by playing maybe the flute, no. the recorder? No, 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 no. I started small with stronging and sprunging things, <laughs> reading it and everything. Like, ah, this talent is not there for you. <laughs> okay. So during your time of you know starting these businesses, I'm sure you have, like you said, um, if you start fast or if you start early, you fail, fail early, right? And you learn your lessons early. So, what are those challenges that you faced while starting your businesses? And how did you, you know, overcome them? Well, the challenges I, that, we, that typically you face in businesses, the first one is people believing in you, right? Believing in what you do. 
you know that first initial oh i i sell this or this is what i do and getting your first few customers is always the you know is always the one of those challenges you face but also i think after a while you kind of start to grow skills in sales and marketing you become a sales a salesperson and it gets better then along the line also um you face challenges in the area of the infrastructure that is available for you to build your business on uh when you go to thinner climes like maybe the us business to a very large extent in those just plug and play right because all the infrastructure is there you just build your own aspect of plugging that already available uh but here you have to decide to build your business from the scratch to wherever you get it to so that's kind of a challenge also uh and when we say those when we say those infrastructure we can start to mention it and it goes on and on power you know location and a lot of other stuff so you face that personally I have never built my business from an angle of go to I don't think I've had issues around funding the way everybody says it like that because somehow I think I've been able to very early I was able to know how to convince people about my business ideas or what I wanted to do so somehow I'll get funding for what I want to do to a large extent it might not be as big as I wanted to but I always believe as I said start small use that small amount to learn for the big one and then when that one is more is successful enough it will attract the big arena like when we wanted to start crowd now i think the first money we raised was like $60,000 i raised that from someone that was not too someone that was close to me that we were kind of advising in their own business and when we sold the idea they said oh we want to diversify okay let's put some money in your business i think i like the way you are passionate about this So that's an angel investor. Then we were able to get a grant also, a hundred thousand dollar grant from a government agency, an export promotion agency, that saw our business as an export service business because we were exporting. So those are the kinds of initial funding that we got, and yeah, and we've been able to kind of use it. We are post revenue level now. Not that we have the biggest of revenues in the world, but we have already been able to show that this business, the journey of this business, can make money. So I think somehow I think we are a bit comfortable. We might not have as much money as we want every time, but we've learned how to also be able to bootstrap and move within a particular budget frame. What we want to do also. Maybe you take me under your wings to to, to <laughs> teach me how to. We make cannot. You cannot afford me. <laughs> Uh uh-uh. uh. Do you know that this is why a lot of people are broke? Don't say, ah, don't worry, we can't afford. Who told you that you cannot afford me? <laughs> I start off, so everything is still, it's still red eye. I was going to say, you take me under your wings to teach me how to make people part with their money. To, to make money, right? To make Teach me how to make people part with their money. Give me their money. Oh, uh, those have sweet mouth. You have sweet mouth already now, so I think that's the main thing. Okay, I'll, I'll try it on you. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, of course, entrepreneurship involves taking risk, right? What was that time that you can remember a risk? I said, okay, let us jump in with both feet. Can you remember any time you took a risk and did it pay off? Ah, risk. When you're an entrepreneur, you are risk. You are like brother and sister. So it's not... <laughs> yeah, but the biggest one you've taken. Well, the biggest risk I've taken is the Amfest project 
we had the, we have this project called Amfest. So Amfest is African Music Festival and Culture Expo. So it developed into a project where, as I said, we train professionals in the creative industry. Uh, we showcase them and then we kind of like um, help them network globally. So that was the biggest risk I've taken um, for me because I've had to go to different countries on the African continent to implement events and implement trainings that I didn't know anybody in those countries. So I created relationships afresh, sold my ideas there and there, and somehow I came out, we come out with a fully done conference. And every time we do that, there are times where I have to take a break and think about what risk we just took and how crazy it was from the sense of how we started it. I remember the first one that we did, I nearly had an attack because it was like, it was not just going to work. And I remember when we finished the last event, I just went, we, we did it on a jetty, on a jetty, on a, on, a, on a hall, on a jetty, right? I just took my chair. Everybody was partying and everything. I just took my chair, went to the side of the jetty, put my leg on the, on the rails, and just put my hand behind my head, and I was just, like, thinking. I even snapped on a guy. The guy came to me and said, I can't live with not eating. Or how are we going to eat and all that? I said, ah. Oh boy, after all this, <laughs> is it plain? <laughs> you know that kind of thing. So, for when we went on, that was like the biggest risk because we did it. It was like a ride, right? We do done it in South Africa. We've done it in Rwanda. We've done it in Ghana. And for every time we do those things, it's risky because you are looking at it. That might be, is this event going to work? Is it going to happen? My reputation is at stake. You know, how is it going to, you know, but somehow we always find ourselves on the other side of the whole situation and it was always good. And um, we built something quite important that I feel that we started during COVID, but we are bringing it back soon. Now that things are properly clear and people can move around. And um, I'm looking forward to kind of activating it again. When you say creatives, who falls under the umbrella? Creatives are. Sorry, sorry, when you mention creative, right, my eyes light up because that's like my, I believe that that's my, that's like my primary assignment in this world. So, <laughs> people in the music industry, so we cater to like six industries, music, and you know all the layers of the music industry, right? Music, film, fashion, culinary industry, creative arts, and technology. So, we cater to all those industries. Okay. <laughs> There's a there's a reason I'm asking. All right, when when we have conversations with founders and ask them about how you know, building a team and their experience in that aspect, many of them will tell you, "Ooh, that's one of the most difficult things or one of the most important things you decisions you ever make." How do you assemble your team, and how important is it for one to have you know, the right people on their team? It can your every every business starts and ends with a team. Because you can't do it alone. Mm. One of the things I believe that helps in building a team is that you yourself must first believe in your idea mm. and you must live and carry your idea and it becomes so palpable that everybody around you knows that this is what this guy is about. It's like you start to smell about the idea, you start to think of the idea and you have to, you know, you have to be very convinced about what you are doing. That's how you can even get the first man to believe in what you are doing, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but this is my own style. 
my own style is that I don't decide to build a big team at the beginning on anything. I look for that first two people, just those first two people. That becomes like real, real, real disciples of the idea. And then from there, we start to kind of open, open it up into a wider team. And a lot of times, I think from my own experiences, I hardly do open calls for staff or for people that want to join our team. I always like referrals. So it's like organic growth. When I have the first two people, then I start to say, okay, we need this role filled now. Who do you know that you think can fill this role well? And because that person already committed to the idea, right, and knows the sweat and blood of the idea, the person cannot refer somebody that is that is going to crash all that he has been doing. So most likely he will refer somebody that is good. We bring that person in, we talk to the person. For me, it is not always that you have to be the most skillful guy in the world, but you have to believe in the idea so much that you are willing to want to learn and grow in the skill. Mm -hmm. So for me, the skill is good because I always, I always believe you can teach people the skills or the talent. You can help them grow in knowledge of that industry or knowledge in that particular role. But what you cannot, no matter how skillful someone is, if that person doesn't believe in the idea, if they don't believe in your idea and respect the idea, then that person is useless to you. Okay. But if that person believes in the idea and keys into it very seriously, and the person has some basic, just basic knowledge, that person can be trained to become a very sure. big expert in that field. So yeah. I rather do the yeah, so I rather I rather get people that believe and key into the idea and we can train each other to become what we need us to become. Yeah, I I agree with it. So yeah. What is the greatest lesson, if I was to ask you about two lessons that you've learned in all your years from NYSC till now, in your years of business, what would those two lessons be? Your integrity is the most important thing in life. Your credibility, basically. Integrity and credibility. You have to have a good name. What you say must be what you do. You have to have that reputation as someone that when he says he's going to do it, mm. he's going to do it. That's more than money. Then the other one I've learned also is that you have to be a very curious and inquisitive person. Mm -hmm. So read books, listen to people, get ideas from them. You might not take everything hook, line, and sinker, but get ideas from them. Mm -hmm. Be willing to be a sponge, basically. So those are like the two things. Your credibility, integrity, and then be a sponge, basically, you know. Be able to soak in knowledge and take from what you already soaked in and use the ones that are functional for you. Not everything, basically. Okay. My second advice would be that embrace failure as normal. I embrace it as part of the journey. You know, okay. Embrace failure as part of the journey. The fact that you fail and you rise again and you fail and you rise again. At the end of the day, it's for you to outstand falling. I don't know if you understand. Yeah, I get you. Aha, uh -huh. so just like a baseball game, right? Mm -hmm. When you when they pitch at you, if they pitch twenty times at you, all you need is just one hit, one one hit on that on that bat. Yeah, and everybody forgets the nineteen that you miss. <laughs> that's true. So that's that's the that's the journey around it. As I said, start early enough, and if you are not early enough, and you want to start. At maybe and maybe middle age, yeah, still start it because I can 
tell you that being an entrepreneur is something you can do for life. You okay. know, because your mind is fresh, your mind is active, and you continue to go, you are creating things. And I believe that, um, you know, the moment you have that balance, right, have a reason for wanting to do it. Don't let the reason be, I want to make money. Let the reason be, I want to save lives. Let the reason be, I want to, I want to develop a country. Let the reason be that I want to get one million people jobs. Let that be a, a bigger focus for you than your own personal and your own personal benefits. Because when you cater to one million people getting jobs, you will get the reward of one one million people getting jobs. Yeah. But if you want to get the reward before you now pursue one million people getting jobs, then you probably you've got you've got the whole essence of it wrong, and it will be hard for you to be successful that way if you are putting your own personal gains first before the selflessness of mm. being an entrepreneur. So you say a lot of people, I want to be an entrepreneur because I want to make money. Nobody makes money by being an entrepreneur. Okay, that's true. True. All right. So what is what is um, going to happen in future for Crowd? What do you have planned? Okay, Crowd right now is doing two things, right? Mm-hmm. While we were developing Crowd, we mistakenly bumped into another business. That's Crowd so, Ads, right? Yeah, Crowd Ads. So what Crowd Ads is, is like a sub-brand for Crowd now. So that already is generating revenue. And we are already looking at how we can plug it to be able to service people locally and internationally and service them big customers. For example, we are trying to use crowd ads for the Nigerian police now where Nigerian police can send messages to nearly every Nigerian and just wish them well <laughs> and give them numbers. Do we want that? You know, give them <laughs> emergency numbers all when they are okay. in trouble or whatever. Okay. You know? And um, we are already working, we are already about entering contracts with international companies that are using it to service, you know, bigger, more like, for example, there's a company we're about to sign a contract with. That company uses crowd, wants crowd ad to be able to help artists that have signed to them sell their music online. Mm. So it will take mass messaging, basically. So the crowd ad is more of like a messaging technology, like a digital marketing as a service platform. But we have also iterated crowd.com from being a monetization platform to becoming an enterprise resource platform for music artists. So the idea for that now is that this whole situation where artists need to sign to a label before they can get their music out and do whatever they need to do, with technology that we are building now, you don't need a record label. Hmm. You can use technology tools to be able to dis- to be discovered as a talent and then also use the platform to move from just a new found talent into become revenue earning enterprises using technology tools to be able to deliver that. So that's what crowd is now. And just forgive me, you know, this whole mobile situation and all that now, you know, people will be a bit more skeptical yeah. when to join the music. True. So imagine if crowd is that platform where you can now sign get discovered when you are discovered there on there you can find the producer you can find the songwriter you can do all that all within a technology technology environment so that's what crowd.com is now that's what we have iterated it into so we're about going into the market to go with front now to start developing it and the good thing about it is that crowd ads is a feature on crowd.com but we found that it can stand alone 
and run his business and generate revenue by itself. So that's that's the journey. That's been the journey so far. All right. Is there anything you want to add before we leave? Because I think I've basically I've asked you a lot of questions. And I've even taken more time than I should have. Is there anything you want to add before we leave? Well, no, actually, I think whatever I want to say is that young people should believe more in Nigeria. Nigeria has a lot of opportunity. Nigeria has a very thriving market that if you are able to try and forget what everybody is saying, you yourself try and read through the lines and read and establish that. Nigeria is a country that you can have a lot of opportunities. I know a lot of people are traveling, traveling now, but if they could do all they go there and do, and put that energy here in Nigeria, they will also be successful. People say that the country is a weapon fashioned against us. Do you think that? <laughs> do you think that is true? No. Oh, well, every country, go to America and sit down with an American. Let him tell you about the America. Let them tell you about the country. They'll tell you the same thing too, that this country is rigged. This country is this. This country is that. I sat, when, I, when I go to the U.S. and I try and sit with some people, especially like the maybe cleaners and commoners and all that and i ask them that's what they say about their country i'll just be like hey if this one can just lad in ajipunle you know what you understand so it's a it's a mindset it's a perception mm. if you can get yourself to that level believe you me you have a lot of um, you can be very global even though you are local okay. from a nigerian perspective um, I really would like to sit with you on a video podcast to talk about, you know, this artist um, signing this industry, how to put your music out there without even having to sign onto a record label whenever you come to Lagos. So if that would be possible. No problem. Yeah. The moment we get it up and running, I'm sure you hear about it. It's, you hear about it and of course we can see and talk about it then. So right now we just kind of put together all the ideas around it, the technology and all that. So we are going back into the market to go raise funds. And uh, by the time we raise the funds and we start that journey, you know, it's uh, for what we have, it's very interesting. Imagine you having the, like a kind of the voice and you are using it as a technology platform to discover talent. And, right. you know, when you discover talent, how to use technology to build the talent. For example, I, one of the things I think I have as a a goal is to de- is to go back is to develop a music group you know we've not seen music group in a long time yes bands boy bands girl bands mix. Develop a band. yeah it's technology huh okay that's true because the last one that we had apart from okay we have a group now they're just two cavemen and then ajebo hustlers but they're only two in um you know in it but that's okay thank you very much for joining us today it has been a pleasure having a conversation with you and that's it on africa tech radio um you have been listening to adebayo talk to us and um of course that's been a wonderful conversation back to base which will come your way next week again stay tuned for more amazing content from this dial thank you very much uh for joining us thank you bye bye thank you Thanks for listening and don't forget to catch up on all the live shows right here on africatechradio.com.